pain is some serious business. It ain't everyone who knows what to do about it. Now I hear there's a podcast just about this. It doesn't talk of pain alone, but other interesting things distracting the mind from it. So I suggest you tune in to Outsmart the Pain and listen to what Karsten has to say about it. Get ahead. Get it done. Listen to the podcast and maybe change your life or someone else's. Today I actually have the explicit joy to talk to one of my colleagues. Uh, we used to work in, in the Stone Age, I think. Uh, it's the great physiotherapist Helene Hallström. You are very, very warmly welcome to this episode of Outsmart the Pain. Thank you so much. Nice to be here, I would say. <laughs> Even if it's digital, as always in my uh, talks. But you are a physiotherapist. So yes. tell me something about your journey to your current point. How did you end up uh, being a physiotherapist? Well, I started my journey as a physiotherapist for nearly, <clears throat> this is true, uh, 40 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So you must yeah. have started when you were like two years of age yeah. or? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, I'm an, I'm an old woman. No, but actually I celebrate 40 years as the registered physiotherapist next year. I was working in the primary care and I had a knowledge in acupuncture and I would say no knowledge of pain. I wasn't an expert in anything, just a generalist being in the primary care, having to know everything. Hmm. And, and I didn't like it because I wanted to focus and be better in one area. And so I got this opportunity to start at um, the pain clinic at Karolinska Hospital in Solna. And uh, I started in 1993. And uh, my knowledge uh, was about acupuncture, but the concept of pain, I mean, as the, as the physio, of course, I, I did know about pain. But then I started to study and I found it very, very interesting. I have slowly grown in knowledge and started to teach other and uh, working clinically all the time. And um, I also did my master degree. You were a great help there. And um, <laughs> yes, nowadays I share my time between meeting patients and helping them to live a better life and giving courses and working with the pain at the physiotherapy school here in Stockholm. I am very fascinating in using the body. I love moving bodies. So I also work as a trainer at one of the bigger gyms in, in Stockholm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you, you yeah. said actually that pain is interesting. I thought it was just difficult and boring. <laughs> actually, it's, it's a very interesting sensation. The concept of pain is something that you experience through life and you have to learn about. And I think it's very strange how different it can uh, interact with, with uh, different persons. The state that the brain is in is actually what will determine how much pain you will perceive or not. That is really uh, fascinating and how you can use your body. I think you need to be like, you can't fight pain. You have to accept it and you have to try to let it be. 
and mm. use your body, although it's there. And in a way, it's this is true both when you think about acute pain and when you think about persistent pain. Um, and this is so difficult and so fascinating to work with and try to understand the central nervous system and try to understand how you can use it in a different way. So, yeah. I know that you read the book that I wrote together with an ex-patient, Outsmart the Pain, but in Swedish. Yes. Yes. And I don't know if, if you know that, but you were actually mentioned very anonymously in that book. Did you spot yourself there? No, I, no, I'm not sure if I did that, no. <laughs> I will tell you now what that was, okay. because yeah, that okay. was so fascinating. Okay. You came to your colleagues after meeting a patient and you said that this was a man who was so angry and he was like a hedgehog, you know, with, with all the spikes being mm -hmm. out. And, and he was like angry at you because you wanted to help him. And yeah. I was uh, quite new at my job and I thought, well, what do you do? Do you sit in a corner and kind of say sorry? And you said that, well, I told him that you really need to behave like an adult. Even if you feel this way, no one will want to help you because you are acting in this way. Yeah. And he kind of apologized and you got tremendous results with him. Yeah. You got my respect <laughs> yeah. because okay. you were really good in the contact with the patients and said how it should be. Uh, so yeah. it could be difficult, but you can really treat patients in a in a very good way. And you prove that. So you, you got like one sentence in the in the book, but it's it's very, very important. If you're going to change or help uh, a person in a difficult uh, situation, you really need to get in contact with that person and you need to listen and you need to understand. And you have to show the patient that you want to understand and that you want to listen, not that mm. you already have decided what to do. You really need to be open and always every time, even though I have been working for so many years, every time when I start, if I'm going to meet a new patient, I really take a deep breath. Listen to this. I decided to have my brain on like a zero level and to open my mind and to accept that person before I do anything else, because I really need to listen and to make that person understand that I'm ready to listen and that I can try to understand what he or she is saying. I actually had a patient not too long ago who said that when you go to uh, a doctor, for instance, in any other condition, you talk with the doctor, you decide on what to do and you get yeah. a suggestion. But when it comes to pain, it looks like the guy on the other side already decided. It doesn't matter what you say. They mm. already know yeah. Yeah. that what they're going to do. So that's actually what you're saying. And I don't think that, that we always have the answers. You have to start where the patient is. Then you have to follow. And then, of course, you can use different type of, of uh, not manipulation, but I mean, you can, you can discuss and you can try to, to follow and to guide um, the, the patient to another way of thinking by giving uh, accurate data and uh, knowledge.
to help the, the patient to gain more, to understand more. But you always have to start where the patient is. Otherwise, you have no option. You have no entrance to, to the patient working inside that mm. person's brain or inside the entire central nervous system. Mm. One of my previous episodes, I speak with a very interesting physician, uh, Michel Tagliati, and uh, we were talking about overweight and diabetes and things like that. Wow. But he, mm -hmm. he also said this, that you actually need to speak with the patients for quite some time to, to know what really lies behind all of this. Uh, yeah. It's not just a sugar level, it's no, something else. No, yeah. And he says that maybe you think that you don't have the time, but then divide it, uh, make three visits. And exactly. then exactly. after that, you have, uh, have yeah. actually gained time yeah. instead of having yeah. them at the emergency or... If you want to help a, a person with pain to feel better, to adjust and to live a life, whether you think that pain will go away or it will stay, you're in pain. And then, I mean, from my perspective, I always went, okay, what can be behind this? Where is the drive uh, for the pain? Mm. Is there any ongoing nociception or mm. is the person afraid or depressed or whatever is it? So I still have to acknowledge because pain is something that I have inside myself and it's an emotion and a, an emotion can't be wrong. I have it. Mm. Uh, so you have to understand that. Well, First. Yeah. Uh, do you think there are any misconception of what a physiotherapist does or what he or she does not do? Yes, I think <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are many misconceptions. As, as a physiotherapist, we are the experts on the moving body. There mm. are no physicians who are the experts. We are the experts. I think that people think that we guide people in uh, physical activity, but Many persons still think that we are just doing passive things. I don't believe that everybody knows about our knowledge. I'm much more a coach and uh, like a teacher, how to assess and adapt to look at the body and to really do a good examination. Mm. In many ways, we have a higher knowledge in examination of the joints and the muscles than the physicians have. Hmm. Yeah. So there are many different occupations out there working with the body. We have the physiotherapists, but we also have like osteopaths and chiropractors, napropaths, to mention a few. Mm -hmm. And it's of, of course, it differs between countries as well, what you oh, go yeah. to, so to speak. It, do you think it's important for the patients to know the difference between these occupations? Or does it more have to do with which person it is, what they do? Uh, what do you think about this? I think the main thing is that you meet a person that you can to click with. Then there are some different views of what the aim of the treatment is. So of course it depends on what the patient wants to have. I mean, it, it's logical that when you're in pain, you want to get rid of the pain. Hmm. That's natural. And all of us, even you as a pain physician, want the pain to go away. So, hmm. and so do I, or want someone else to carry and to take it away from you. And, and. Perhaps the patient is coming to this uh, person with that aim, uh, wanting to have that, and the chiropractor or uh, physio is not having the same goal, then there will be a, a treatment a mismatch. As a physiotherapist, we want uh, the patient to be independent of us. 
as a chiropractor or a naturopath, you have more from your training that you want to have the patient as a patient. They have as their main treatments, more passive treatments, and they want to have the patient back. Of course, that, that's the kind of economic reason behind that as well. If you meet a chiropractor or a naturopath who actually wants to activate the patient yeah. and, and not giving only uh, or any passive treatments, mm -hmm. that would also be a, a good person to go to. Then. Oh yes, oh yes, for, mm. for sure. Uh, many of them have deep knowledge, and then of course it's different where the person is working and in in what setting. There are some differences, but in examination, many chiropractors have so much knowledge. And of course, you're speaking generally about patients with pain because they are not supposed to get passive treatments <laughs> primarily. Depending what type of pain we're talking about, because if we are talking about acute pain and subacute pain, you can have passive treatment and, and it can really help you in, in the short run. But in the long run, there is not that much evidence supporting passive treatments like manipulation and, and so on. There, there is a little evidence, but not that much. You kind of seduce the patient to go back to the same person and, and that's making the patient dependent of the type of treatment. I need to go to my, <laughs> whatever it mm. is, to have this treatment. Otherwise my back will fail or whatever it is. <laughs> then you are not giving the patient the opportunity to stand on her own. If you look at the, the tax money, uh, we have to think also what is cost effective. It's a huge range of different body therapists mm. and there are good ones and they are other ones that are not as good, like physicians, nurses and everything. So uh, depending what, what you want to have, but I think it's, it's a jungle for the patient because they don't mm. know who to go to. I, I also said that in the book that physicians are often quite good at telling others that passive treatments are not good, but there is no such passive treatment as giving a pill and then oh. nothing else. I mean, that is so passive. Yes, that, that is, yes, yes, Re really. And there are so many skilled therapists with different professional knowledge. For God's sake, I'm not uh, saying bad things about any. Uh, of course, there are good ones and there are bad ones. And like in the, everything. Like in everything, there is always a new knowledge. Mm. I think that uh, in the school for uh, chiropractor, they are having more knowledge about the concept of persisting pain nowadays mm. than they had like mm. 10 years ago, like we all have. Mm. Mm. So uh, I will now ask you a, a quite uh, difficult question. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I meet many patients who tell me that they have met so many physiotherapists, but nothing has helped. Do you think this is due to the physios giving wrong instructions or treatments, or was it the wrong timing for the patient, wrong diagnosis or something completely different? Or, or did I just meet, you know, subgroups of patients who shouldn't meet a physio? What do you think about that? I think, uh, first of all, that the patients you meet is not the normal pain patients. You meet uh, a very narrow uh, population of pain. Uh, and I mean, the ones that come to your clinic, they really have a loss of function because of their pain. Okay. 
so that is one thing. The next thing is how physios are supposed to work if the region Stockholm um, tells the physios you should have a patient for more than 10 times. You are not allowed to um, continue the treatment. You have hardly no time at all. Uh, I mean, you have more time than a physician, but uh, perhaps one hour for the first examination and then you're supposed to treat 15 uh, patients a day. So start count on that to understand. You can't be specific. So uh, regulations play a very yes, important role. Yes, regulation uh, plays a very important role. I also think about the aim of the treatment. What does the patient want to have? The mm. pain to go away. And perhaps the physio's aim is to help the patient to gain function. You need to have the, the same goal. Yes, the same goal. And I think there's a mismatch there too. And then, of course, many physios out there have not a lot of knowledge about pain. And if you look at the physiotherapy school, it's not as sad as if you look at <coughs> medical school, <laughs> but nearly because they have taken away so much about neurology, about pain from the basic uh, training. Pain is difficult and perhaps it's easier to concentrate on other things. But I would say that there are many physios who have a lot of knowledge they can't use because of how their work is regulated. That's sad. Mm. So we touched a little bit on that, but regarding non-pharmacological treatments, two well-known are acupuncture and, and mm -hmm. TENS. And in Sweden, I think that the tendency is less acupuncture and continuous TENS treatment as it has been through yeah. the years. But I read the latest nice guidelines uh, from the UK from April in 2021 and they say somewhat of the opposite they recommend acupuncture if the total time is maximum five hours again regulations and do not recommend tense uh, now this seems uh, like two opposite ways of, of thinking of this uh, you being so clever mm, now then yeah. <laughs> tell, so, tell us uh, it's interesting because if you look at the evidence for or against acupuncture as a pain treatment. It has been going up and down during the years. And the main problem is that if you want to have evidence and you want to have a, a, a clear uh, non-placebo effects of that treatment, it's difficult because both cancer and acupuncture is not possible to have a placebo treatment that will give uh, high points if you look at the scientific evidence. It's it's not it's not po uh, possible. You mean it, it's not possible to give a sham treatment because the, the person will know. The, the person will, in some way or the other, understand. And it's it's with all non-pharmacological treatments, it's very difficult to give a good sham treatment. I'm so tired of listening to all this year after year. I mean, it's not possible. And and the framework is coming from um, um, the pharmaceutical uh, studies and. To try to put them to non-pharmacological treatment. I mean, it's not, it's not possible to do a good sham treatment. So there you will always have that you have lower evidence. There are many acupuncture studies regarding low back pain and acupuncture. And they give at least moderate evidence for effect in the short run. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why they say five hours. Mm -hmm. But mm. nobody knows about the effects on the longer run. 
Uh, and with tent, there are so many bad things about how the studies had been per, uh, performed. Uh, first of all, they don't ask about the effect of the tent treatment when the patient has the tent on. They ask about the effects of the treatment when the tent is off. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and we know pretty sure that effect of tense is during treatment. It would be like when you are trying a new medication that you stop with the medication and afterwards you ask, how, how did it work? No one would accept that study. And then most of the tense studies on low back pain, they are, they are pretty old and they nearly always assess or look at pain intensity. And if you look at persistent pain, the pain intensity, it's not going to change. But it, the interesting thing is if you can do more before you reach your normal pain and your, yes, if you can increase the level of, of function. If you look in the UK, in the clinical setting, yeah, tense is used a lot. But I think that nice guidelines are a product of the existing studies, not mm. of the existing clinical evidence. Here comes something that researchers shouldn't listen to. So please go and get a cup of coffee <laughs> while I'm saying this. But, but to be honest, in all these groups creating guidelines, you do have personal opinions. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yes. if, if someone does not like a certain, they will always find evidence or vice versa. And also when you and I watch presentations and we have this famous P value, that shouldn't uh, be above 0 0.05. But still, people can say that, oh, the p-value is not good, but the trend is, I mean, why are we having research if you kind of get your own interest into that? So uh, we have to be careful about research in a, in a way. So now you can come back from your coffee break, yeah. <laughs> dear researcher. And I have a PhD myself, so I'm not, you know, just uh, talking bad about scientists. I am kind of in that field as well. So I'm just trying to be objective, I think. But do you agree? Yes, yes, I, I do agree. And I think that if you look at um, acupuncture is a passive treatment. The patient is lying um, down and having a treatment. Acupuncture is an interesting uh, method and it really can give pain relief and it also affects the, the, the pain uh, modulating systems on every level in, in the central nervous system. So it is an interesting method, but it's a passive treatment. If you combine acupuncture with other active treatments, it can help. And very seldom as a physio, we are doing one thing. I can use TENT or I can use acupuncture, but if we look at TENS, more active treatment because the patient is doing it on her own. So if the patient is able to do more thing, uh, to be more active when the TENS is on, then I think it's a good thing to use to help the patient to gain more muscle strength or balance or whatever it is you want to help him to gain more of. Mm. So you, you kind of said this already, but in, in conclusion, uh, if someone with persistent pain is listening yeah. and no one found 
anything on radiology. All specialists, including GPs, neurologists, rheumatologists, have said there is nothing to be found. I hope they didn't say it's all in your head, <laughs> but they didn't find anything anyway. But it hurts a lot when moving, uh, so I don't move. Uh, now suddenly they meet you. What is your plan? Listen to this. If they want to discuss the X-ray or the MRI findings, I, I say that you can't um, take a picture of the pain. Mm. That was a very short uh, explanation. Good. And I, I try to explain pain, how the pain pathways are, or the nociceptive uh, pathways are, and what is happening in the central nervous system when you've had pain for a longer time. So I think that knowledge is the basis of everything, uh, because without knowledge and if the patient doesn't understand, it can be quite frightening if you say, no, I can't see anything, meaning that it must be something very dangerous or I'm nuts. I mean, there are two ways. Hmm. There's something very, very wrong that they even can't see or that it is just that I'm crazy. It's about communication yeah. and, and knowledge. And we have no way today to measure pain in a logical way. We have to listen to, to the patient. And then I have need to be a detective and try to understand what is the drive uh, for the pain. Is the patient afraid of the pain and does everything to avoid having pain? Or is it the actual pain or is it that the patient is depressed or have uh, exhaustion um, um, at the same time or whatever is it. And often there are many, it's like a, a puzzle and you, you, you need to find the mm. different pieces and, and mm. put them together. So, so again, I try to listen to the patient, what he, act, he actually says to me. And then I try to be a detective. Uh, mm. but, but first, first I, I confirm that I listen to the patient saying, yes, I understand you're in pain. And that's very tiring. That's the first step. Yes, that's the first step. And I understand you and it's very tiring and it's awful and you don't want to have it. And that's normal uh, because it's, it's uh, an alarm system and it's meant to uh, do something with us. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Take away the pain. So, yes, that's normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, back pain and surgery. Yeah. Ooh. Hit me. Oh. What is your experience through the years? Ooh. What are your thoughts about that? Well, <laughs> if you look, if we look at Sweden, we are doing fewer uh, operations or less surgery than in many other countries. And there are some guidelines and saying that we perhaps could do more surgery than we actually do. But also there's a misconception about everything can be healed with surgery and take away the pain. No, <laughs> but in, in some, um, some cases, surgery is necessary. And for example, if you have a spinal, if you have stenosis and uh, you have the the area for, for the um, uh, spinal cord is too narrow and that you have really loss of circulation. You really need to yeah, have a greater space in there. And that, that the type of surgery that is quite effective and um, with good results. 
Uh, and then if you have uh, this herniation that is really giving also uh, less circulation to the nerve root, uh, in some cases you need to do surgery uh, to like help the, the nerve roots and the spinal cord to, to survive. There are people with uh, spinal stenosis and disc hernias that don't have pain, but there are people who do have pain. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, with the right diagnosis, right people should get surgery. Yes, I, I think so. And I think that, mm -hmm. that the evaluation that the uh, orthopedic surgeons and the neurosurgeons do, that they are rather good in Sweden. Uh, and, and they also look at, at, the, at the person. Uh, because there are some red flags and there are some orange or yellow flags that can um, predict if the patient is going to have a good uh, effect of the surgery or not. Uh, but mm. I mean, having surgery is not the solution to many uh, neck and back pain uh, patients. No, but but I, I mean, it's it's we think it's the easy way out. Take it away, and I will get cured of course i mean it's mm. it's the quick fix and i and and i think it's it's medical if you don't have a lot of anatomical or knowledge about the physiology and the anatomy of the body i mean it, it's logical you go to the you fix your car and of course you can fix your back <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. so uh, more on a uh, political agenda uh, and and now uh, i guess we're talking about sweden since that's our country mm -hmm. but how is pain and its treatment regarded in society wow uh, you what do you think about that it's not uh, very fancy to have a persistent pain if you look at the, at the medical schools and the physiotherapy schools and so on, we, we don't uh, put that much energy or effort in uh, bringing more knowledge to all the educate enough. And, and if you listen to many persons who have persistent pain, they also say that I'm, I'm alone. Mm. Mm. Well, nobody yeah. understands me and uh, uh, it would be better if I had like a amputated leg or something, then I have something to show and they would understand. Mm. Right. So it's actually a, a, a very big societal problem, oh, but yes. society doesn't do enough. The concept of, of pain and what persistent pain is, is difficult to understand. And uh, I mean, it should go away like this and it doesn't. <laughs> mm. uh, so, so, um, and I think also that it, it when you talk with a person with, with per persistent pain, you will, as a listener, um, you will react and you feel that, oh, this, this is difficult. I don't understand it. It seems that it really has to do with the function with, with that person. It's you, like you don't want to hear about it because it's, um, it's deep and it affects you. Perhaps it's easier not to listen to it takes a lot of time of effort and effort. Yes, yes. I think we, we need, of course, more knowledge and also ways to educate uh, the society about pain. Perhaps we should look at Australia, um, where explain pain and how to deal with persistent pain in the society. They are like 
ages before us, hundreds of years be, um, before us. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay, so Australia so, so, is, is mm. a country to look upon. Yeah, uh, re regarding pain pain uh, treatment, yes, mm. I would say, yeah, they, yeah, they, they are good. And kangaroos. They are good. And kangaroos, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so. This has been a, a tremendous talk, but I really have a personal question I need to ask you about. You, you started by saying that you are working at a gym. So what's like the hot area right now? What is it called? Is it called spamming or spinning or running or, or Zumba, Zumba, Zumba? I don't know. What should I say if I want to you know, sound like I know what I'm doing at the gym? At the gym? Yeah. Uh, it's high intensity interval training. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Sounds very. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 no, actually, hard. that's quite interesting for a person in uh, in pain uh, that you try to in sh very short intervals increase the load. Mm. Uh, whether it's that you lift heavier things so that you're you're walking faster or whatever you you do, uh, but there are very interesting changes in the uh, muscle system, but also in your um, uh, aerobic uh, function uh, when you uh, get in a, just 20 seconds or 30 seconds or one minute that you increase the load mm. uh, so so hit hit training is is uh, interesting yes. and i use it a, a lot uh, with our patients both both the ones with um, exhaustion and uh, the pain patients. Wow! But of course, uh, we, we are not talking about. Uh, I mean, that you are on your highest level, but just to do short intervals. And and also, it's interesting on a psychological level because uh, it it will pass. <laughs> <laughs> you can stand to do something harder for twenty seconds mm. because I mean, it's something that you can. Okay, I can stand it, so I can <laughs> do it. Because it will go over with in twenty seconds. Past. Wow! <laughs> in twenty seconds, no. then it's over. Wow, that's that's very interesting. <laughs> so, yes. uh, Hilian, uh, this has been a tremendous talk. Really, you you have enlightened me and hopefully many of our listeners. We have covered a lot from I individual treatment to the political agenda, and uh, oh, it, it yeah. has been so interesting. <laughs> Any final words before we? finish uh, did i miss something or or something you would like to say yes i would like to say that when if we're going to help uh, persons to live with higher function despite pain we need to cooperate we need to work together i mean really work together the patient and me and the physician and the nurse and the uh, social security, whatever, mm. uh, as a society, we need to work together. We need to have time uh, and we need to help the patient to not to fight the pain, but more like Beaton's thing, let it be. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. If you're going to lose weight, you can't fight your own body. You have to be like friend with, with the body. Because you're not going to have any, you can't change your body. You have one body and you have to take care of mm. it, whether it's in pain or not. Mm. And be friends with, with your body and work, work together. We need, we need more time and we need to work together with each other. Mm. 
then we will have a good pain management for the patient. Mm. Like you as a physician, if you start the medication and when the patient is in a good medication, I can put more load on the patient. Mm. And when the patient is stronger, you should decrease the medication. Like but it needs, then we need to talk with each other. Mm. Otherwise it's not going to happen. Good. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you very much, Helene. Mm -hmm. A pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you.